I'm going to take your Bibles and we'll have two passages to read from. <clears throat> Psalms 119, starting at 89, and then Daniel 10. Psalms 119, 89. <clears throat> Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to thy ordinance, for all are thy servants. And then in Daniel ten twenty, then he says, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee, and now I re- will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for thy word that's ever settled in heaven, for thy mercies and blessings in Christ Jesus, and knowing thy knowest all things, has all power to do whatever is in thy soul desire, what thou desirest, and that there is no place that thou art not. And we Thank Thee, Father, that You called us out of darkness to Thy marvelous light, and pray Your mercies be upon us this day, that we might worship Thee and praise Thee in spirit and in truth, and that You would meet with us in demonstration power of Thy Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I pray these things for His sake. Amen. title of the message is noted in the Scripture of Truth. If you don't believe God knows the end from the beginning, then this message might be a little difficult to difficult for you. And I was thinking about, we speak of omni- God's omniscient, and many he knows all things. There's nothing that he doesn't know, nothing out of his realm. Uh, omnipotent has all power, and there's no other power besides his power. They, even the power that we have, we get from him, and that God is <clears throat> omnipresent, that he's anywhere and everywhere. There's no place that he is not. We're dealing with omniscient. How much does God know? And when did God know it? If we think about the Bible being written, they'll say, well, Moses, you know, he uh, took some information, put it all together, and then we have Deuteronomy on where <clears throat> he wrote it. And, and then we have Paul, and he wrote this, and he wrote that. And they say, well, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit and uh, that type of thing, or the Spirit of God moved them. And uh, as a holy man of old, as it says in Simon Peter's epistle. And so we get to thinking that it's really just written by men. And circumstances and situations we have in the Bible, you know, it's like almost like they took God by surprise. And as they wrote them in there, then, you know, the word changed. In uh, Daniel 10, when it says... but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. Now this word noted means to inscribe, written. And he's speaking of the scriptures of truth as being a singular thing, not a multiplied thing or ongoing thing. Uh, If you read some commentaries, some says that shall be inscribed, uh, but the Hebrew won't let you do that. It's that which is inscribed. And so to what things did God know about the Bible? 
Did he know that what Moses going to do? Did he know what Jacob's going to do? Did he know that uh, uh, they was going to uh, connive with Isaac and so on and so forth? Or did it didn't come to be in the Scriptures until it was written? So which way is it that God know the Scripture? Is, this, is the <coughs> Scriptures uh, that the angel was talking about to Daniel? He's going to let him look in to this that he might see what is written in the Scripture of Truth <coughs> and are noted, as it says there, in the Scripture of Truth, or was they waiting for Daniel to write it so they would have a Scripture of Truth? <coughs> I maintain that it's eternal book. It's an everlasting book that God knew the end from the beginning. He knew exactly what was going to be in it. He knew the, uh, each part, each uh, verb, and so on and so forth that was going to be in it. It's not a surprise to God. And, and the things recorded is only the things God wanted us to know. Was there many other things the patriarchs did? Of course there is. Did they make a lot of other mistakes? Of course they did. Did they do a lot of other good things? Of course they did. <clears throat> but we have exactly what God has us to have. And so we find that the quotes from the New Testament go back to the Old Testament and, and the things that we see here uh, without knowing the New Testament. You read this in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament you see it speaking about Jesus. And so these things all fit together and it is what God has given us. It is His Word to us. And the Spirit moved on holy men as they wrote the Scriptures and they put in exactly what God wanted to be there. Some says, well, Paul, you know, he uses this way and he uses it that way. And we just go on and on. Ezekiel, you know, he had no compassion. And Jeremiah's a weeping prophet. And we have all these things. And some say, well, I don't know about Ezekiel, you know. Jeremiah, we kind of go with him. And others say, well, why is he crying all the time? For? Well, Ezekiel's the guy we want to look at. But he's all God's men. And they were all, if you will, part of those whom God chose from the foundation of the world to write the Word of God, which He, if you will, gave them to write. So there's nothing here in this Scriptures that's a surprise to God. <clears throat> all we can know about, if you will, after the afterlife, eternity, heaven, hell, uh, are noted in the Scripture of truth. How do you know you're saved this day? If you're Claim to be saved today, how you know he's saved? Because it's noted in the Scripture. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. <clears throat> and uh, I had a, one time a missionary, and I was real young then, so <clears throat> he came by and talked about, he was a missionary in eastern Kentucky, and uh, so he asked a man, says, <clears throat> well, are you saved? You know, And he said, well, let me tell you, preacher, and you tell me. He said, uh, I was laying out there on that mountain, and he named the mountain. I looked up, and I seen a cloud there. And, and he said that cloud looked, and I can't remember what it was, a heart or what it was that he seen there. He said, now you tell me. And what it meant was he'd had a, a vision. He had a, if you will, something, a miracle that, that when he looked her, there it was, and so he felt like that he, God saved him then. But the Bible says you can't be saved without believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and you can see all the visions you want to see, but the word of truth won't let you say that salvation. 
There's a lot of things that people count salvation today is anti-scriptural. And let me say to you, if it goes against God's word, then it's not salvation. And the point I'm making is this is God's word to us, and he explains to us the things he wants us to know. God's word is ever settled in heaven because it's an eternal document. And the scripture did not evolve over time, and, and uh, were, they were ever before God. God did not wait upon these and these writers and scribers to give instructions, you know, and say, well, I hope I can get this doctrine in here. You know, I mean, that's the way some look at the Word of God. It's like, God says, well, I've got to cram this in. I've got to get this doctrine omnipotent in there or some other thing, salvation, <clears throat> doctrines of grace or whatever. But the Bible's not that way. When I read somebody, it says, well, you know, he had this problem, had that problem. It doesn't make any difference the problems they had. It is still God's Word. God is not man. And sometimes when we look at the Scripture, that's the way we look at it as man-written book that God put his seal of approval on. But it's the other way around. It's God's written book that he ever, eternal Scripture that he used men to write it, that we have what he have us to have. There's no contradictions in the Bible. And I, I see uh, letters, books, and, and uh, <coughs> theses written on the errors in the Bible, the contradictions in the Bible, so on and so, but they're not there. God is the same. He, he doesn't change. He didn't change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. All of it is a revelation of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you go to Genesis and who was, uh, there was Jesus Christ, and He's the Creator. He spoke. The Spirit of God was hovering over the deep. And what all of that tells us? Well, Jesus Christ is the Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one that hovers over the deep, if you will, of your soul. He's the one that regenerates you that you can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of it's done according to the will of the Father. And so we go from Genesis, and you can preach the gospel in Genesis. You can preach the gospel in Deuteronomy. And I'm just picking, I mean, you can preach the gospel from any place because it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. We say, well, they had this trouble. They hit tights and, them, and the Moabites and all this, that, and the other. But <clears throat> these are enemies of the cross, if you will. And these are those that come in and tempt the church and tempt the saints of God to go opposite or go against God's will and purpose. And we have it all here, all that God have us to have. Somebody said that, well, we pray God give us a, a more revelation, a better revelation. You got it. This is it. There's not going to be revelation two or second revelation. There's not going to be another gospel written to be added in or squeezed in somewhere or another. <clears throat> it is written in time by man this is the word we've got. But it was ever settled in heaven for the foundation of the world. And so we think about the word of God, how we, it gives us knowledge, wisdom. It is to keep us from falling into error. It is to keep us from false postulations about the scriptures and that we know that's God's word. Now, we get in translation. I'm just going to spend just a second or two on translation, God has what He wants us to have in this. And that's the reason I always say compare Scripture with Scripture. <clears throat> I mean, I don't like Easter in Acts. I just don't. 
and we could explain it away and so on and so forth, but if I compare Scripture with Scripture, I see that we're not to celebrate Easter. I mean, we could, we could go on with it. I don't like that. And then we get another translation, and, and usually translations at least try to follow something. A paraphrase follows nothing. I know they say it's the scripture. It's like you say, like you tell me, I'm going to town. And somebody says, well, what do you mean? I think he means going to Hartzell. Well, you might have been going to Decatur. Going to town doesn't tell me where you went, but I say, I'm going to paraphrase that. He went to Hartzell. And that's what a paraphrase is. It is dynamic equivalence. It's taking what it meant to those people back then and change it into what people now would say the same thing. So it's down. You say, well, preacher, dynamic equivalent through the same. <clears throat> you ever read the NIV? Just portions of it. It's a dynamic equivalent translation. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. And so what they've done, they've modernized it to bring it into this period of time. And the problem is, They've left the truth behind. If they brought the truth along with us, we could say, well, maybe, you know, it's like a children's book that they give and, and they try to put the stories into some form the children will like so they'll read it. <clears throat> this angel that was going to Daniel to show him what was noted in the book of truth, it gave him insight into that which was already written. That which God already already declared will be and de- <coughs> and decreed shall be, and so these things that were going to happen in David's uh, Daniel's life were already decreed by God. These things, and God knows what everything <coughs> is going to be. Somebody said one time, <coughs> "Do you believe God knows about the dust?" going beside a window. Now the preacher mentioned that. He was in California. Had a little touch of Santa Anna's. And there's a lot of dust going by the window. And he said, no, God doesn't know that. Now, when I was a kid, my dad told me a certain thing I was doing a ditch and I didn't do it. I thought, I told myself, that's not going to make a difference. So after a couple of years, the fence post couldn't hold because of the big hole there. And it was deep. So we had to fill that hole up, and we only filled up our side. We didn't fill our neighbor's side up. What happened? Well, there's just a little water trickling in there and a little water, and then we'd have a big rain and be a little more water, and it washed it all out. <clears throat> the point I'm making, there's no insignificant thing that happens in the world. Yes. To us, it's insignificant. To us, it doesn't matter. To us, it doesn't count. But <clears throat> the things that God has decreed, he said, these are the way things are going to be, and the only way you can do that is determine exactly what everything's going to be. Not just salvation, not just who's going to believe, but everything that's going to happen to this earth. We not only have documented what happens to Christians, 
We have documented what's going to happen to this earth. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Now, we don't have as much information about the world, earth, until we get to Revelation. And we have just nitpits here and there. And God knows all things. God has many books of truth. The Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of the Living, Book of Remembrance, Book of Sayings and Works of the Saints, and the, and the Book of Deeds Done in the Flesh of all. So these books are mentioned in the Scriptures. Now, we don't have them. We can't look at them. We can't see who's in the Lamb's Book of Life, for instance. And well, all we can see is what's in the Word of God He's given us. And we think about the elect angels, fallen angels, creation, and we can go on and on about those things which exist in the mind of God. God knew all things from the beginning. God knew all what was going. In Acts fifteen eighteen, known unto God are all His works from the beginning of the world. Now, Paul didn't mean there, or the Spirit of God didn't mean there, or Luke didn't mean there, <clears throat> that... God knew everything up to that point. That's not what he's talking about. God knows all his works from the beginning, and if you will, until the end. Now, the end, we're not get to that. And there's nothing, no surprises to God. There's not somebody that's saved that God didn't know was going to be saved. There's not a mountain that erupts and a volcano spews out all the stuff that God doesn't know about. There's not anybody in a car wreck that gets killed that God doesn't know about. To us, it's an accident, but the definition of accident is an act of God. And I know in our time, they try to change that from the... That's a legal term, by the way, is the act of God, and they've ch- tried to change it. Some places have. The Lamb slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb. <clears throat> and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship Him, that's the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Well, what we have here, He says slain from the foundation of the world, but we know in time He was slain. What does He mean? It means that Adam was under the blood. It means that Moses was under the blood. Jacob was under the blood. There's only one way of salvation, and that's, if you will, faith in God in His Word and in the blessed one that God promised to come. So in the Old Testament, they looked at He that is coming and, and without a name, and we looked to Him that did come, Jesus Christ, and He has a name, but all of us are under the blood that are the saints of God. Those that will be in glory will be under the blood of Jesus Christ. All of them have believed on, the, on God, if you will, as Abraham believed the truth and was counted to him for righteousness. This seed that was promised that all the nations would be blessed in, of course, that's Jesus Christ. So he says he's a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God, is everyone was saved in the Old Testament, was looking for that sacrifice to be completed, and so they was, were in Jacob's bosom. Why? The blood hadn't been shed yet. But these all saints that were in Jacob's, I mean Abraham's bosom, 
the rich man was on the outside of that thing, looking in, and he could talk to Abraham there. You know, send Lazarus over me, just dip it, dip a, a drop of water in my tongue, because he is in torment. Now, those in Abraham's bosom was at rest. They were in torment. But Paul, when he had his vision, he says, whether in the flesh or not, I know whether in the flesh or not, I know not. He went to the third heaven. And where did he find there? He found paradise. Now paradise, when Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said, I be with you this evening, this day, in paradise. Now did Jesus ascend or descend? When he died on the cross, he descended. Where did he descend to? He descended into Abraham's bosom. When he resurrected and went into glory, and it speaks of him sanctifying the the temple things in glory. We don't know all what that means, but he did take his blood with him. He told Mary not to touch him. But then, when he's with the disciples, he said, Fill me and see that's me. In other words, come and touch me. See that I'm not an aberration or a spirit, that I'm a person. The point I'm making is that when he went into glory, he sanctified those things, and now we'll not be going to Jacob's bosom. When we perish, we'll be going into glory with Jesus Christ. This is foretelling, if you will, foreseeing what God was going to do through Jesus Christ. What are some of the things we have? And for time's sake, we're going to have to Cut part of these off. Now, Jesus was in the earth three days and three nights. Now, is there anywhere in the scriptures that tells us that? <clears throat> Matthew 12, 40 says, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, why did that whale swallow him? Why was he there three days, not four days, two days, but three days? The point I'm making is all of these things are pointing toward Jesus Christ, and Matthew uses it as when confronting the priest, the Pharisees, when they were confronting him about the resurrection, and Jesus, well, it's recorded there in Jonah. As Jonah was in the well, you know, in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be. God knew what they would, <clears throat> that you would sin, but He loved you anyway. He loved His elect. He had with an everlasting love, a love that could not be depleted. It cannot be changed. You can't, if you will, with some gross sin, say, God hates me now. Because he says he's angry with the sinner all day. He speaks about hating the enemy of God. The enemy of the cross. But he always loved toward his people. Now in the sense of his creator, he does love over all that he provides for all. He calls it to rain and gives us wind, crops, and so on and so forth. It was all in the book of, the, or the book of noted in the book of scriptures. Man cannot find out God's work from the beginning. 
Ecclesiastes 3.11, He has made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He has set the world in their heart, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. How long has man been trying to find out how we got here? How many, most of us are old enough here that we've heard all kinds of theories, you know, from spaceships to an exploding universe to an accident that happened. We just go on and on theories of man because even though it's set into mind to find out the work of God, he can't find it out. The only way you can know what God did is what God says He did. And so how did creation come about? Did it, is, is the universe... This, now this is a new theory, people. The old theory had to be adjusted. And the new theory is the outline areas. Those things that are tree and light years away. And they've always been there. You know, they've always been there. But this section we're in, it's only been here a few billion years. And the reason when they put up that telescope, Humble wouldn't let them do what they had, what they said happened. The Big Bang and all this, that, and the other. So they had to adjust what they believed. So now, they got the billions close in. But they got the trillion far out. Now you would say, well, how come do we need a trillion years? Have you ever followed the, the steps they claim it takes from a one, one cell amoeba to get to a human being? Now, when I was a kid, it was two billion years. When our children is as good, three billion. And then they's getting up there four and five billion until the Hubble's t- telescope, and now some of them back up there again. But man cannot find out how God did it. And there has to be life there before there can be life. So what caused life? Some say it's a lightning bolt. Some a colliding of something or another in, in, the, in the atmosphere. But we know exactly how God did it. Deuteronomy 29.29 The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us. And to our children forever that we might do all the words of the law. So the secret things belong to God. And, And the revealed things belong to us. And the revealed things causes us to have faith in God about the secret things we can't see. Somebody said, well, how's God going to do this? How God's going to do that? It doesn't tell you here. You can look all you want to. It just tells you this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come. This is going to happen that, you know, the earth be melted. But all the things involved in that, we don't know nothing about. They belong to God. We have enough that we can believe what God says. We have enough 
that we can believe that this world is going to be destroyed. We have enough to know that we'll be in glory with Jesus Christ, all the saints of God, and those that are not, if you will, will be in hell. We have enough that we can believe what God says. We don't have all the explanations behind it because God hasn't and will not give them to us. God revealed His Word through men moved by the Spirit. Second Peter, we mentioned this several times, but we'll turn there. Second Peter one twenty. And I know this is very familiar, but I want us to read it. <clears throat> Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. For, and the prophets came not in old time by the will of men, but the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So this is a spirit-written book. And the only way you should inter- interpret it is according to how God leads us, reveals to us, and shows us what the book means, what the Scripture means. It's not a private interpretation of saying, I think it's this way. Well, that doesn't matter. The question is, how did God say it happened? And so what we have is not a private interpretation because it's a Spirit-written book. The Holy, you need the Holy Spirit to interpret it That's the reason why those without Christ cannot interpret it properly because they have not the Spirit of God. And if you have the Spirit of God, then you should be able to go in there and understand the things that God has for you and, if you will, to you that that you can do or accomplish the things God wants you to do. And one of those is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the Bible is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for doctrine, reproof. It says in 2 Timothy, 3rd chapter, is from old, from the foundation of the world. What God decreed in the Holy Scripture will come to pass. There's nothing that God says that won't come to pass. No matter how much man thinks it's impossible, God's going to do exactly what He says He's going to do. Now, in the rapture, how are we taken out? Well, some says bodies will be dropping out of the sky. Some says, no, we, the bodies will just disappear. And others, if you will, have all kinds of different ideas how it's going to be. How it's going to be. I'm going to stand here, if this is the day of rapture, I'll be at the feet of Jesus. Just like that. Well, you're going to be in body? Well, I can't take this body to glory because flesh and blood cannot inherit in the kingdom of God. So I can't have this one. And it speaks of when we see Him, we shall be like Him. And this is when we get a glorified body. Now those that's gone on before us will be resurrected out of the, out of the earth or wherever they might have been in the sea or whatever it might be. And They'll come and they'll be drawn up first and receive their glorified bodies. We'll be right behind them. Now, I personally don't think 
that any body is going to be dropping out of the sky. Now, you say, can you prove that? That's the reason I said, I think. From all indications in the scriptures, and Jesus' body was no longer in the tomb. It was transformed. So I think the scripture speaks of this being transformed. I don't think there's going to be a lot of dead bodies laying around. God gives understanding to his word to whom it pleases him. In Daniel 12, 8, And I heard, but I understood not. And then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Verse 9, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up, and seal until the time of the end. Daniel twelve thirteen. But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and, and stay in thy lot at the end of days. Now, here's Daniel. He had this prophecy. He faithfully wrote it down, but he didn't know what it meant. I mean, he, he, as we if you read the whole scripture, we see he got sick. He, he was asking, begging God to, what these things meant. And part of it was the resurrection. When he speaks about all being raised up early in, verse, in chapter 12, in the first couple of verses, I will look there real quick. <clears throat> and at the end of time shall... Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of, my, of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since. There was a nation even to the same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. And some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn away to, to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Daniel said, what does that mean? Well, we have in this the rapture, resurrection, and the tribulation, millennial, in these few verses. Daniel didn't understand them. God used him as the author of it. He had no clue what it meant. And it said it was given until the end. And we see that in the sense, the latter days, you know, a prophecy has become more wide open, if you will, and people speaking about the rapture and resurrection and so on and so forth. And yet this is a later, later thing. I I know it's hundreds of years, but this is a latter thing that they didn't understand at all. Now, the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but they didn't know about the tribulation. Jesus calls us to hear and understand, Matthew 15, 10, and he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. It is the Spirit that gives us understanding. There in 1 Corinthians 2, 10, but God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, 
Yea, the deep things of God. So how do we know these things? It's by inspiration of the Spirit. It is by God revealing to us these things that's going to be or are or has been. Daniel wrote it and couldn't understand it. But now we look at it and say, well, Daniel, why do you understand that? We say, well, this time here, you know, this troubled time like they've never known, that's tribulation. And we go to the millennial and so on and so forth. The point I'm making is, is that most of the Old Testament prophets particularly, and some of the New Testament did not know what they were writing. And what I mean by that is that they didn't know the end results of the things they prophesied. It doesn't mean they understood. And somebody says, well, you know, Paul wrote this, he understood this and understood that. These people wrote where they understood it or didn't understand it. Jeremiah is the same way, but will not turn there of (coughs) prophecy he had. We man cannot understand the word of truth except it be given to him from heaven. John 3.27, Jesus answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Of course, that's John the Baptist speaking of Jesus Christ and, and that he had to diminish and Jesus, he had to decrease and Jesus increased. The Spirit gives us understanding of his word, understanding that the word of God is eternal and not just a word that came in time and and in a progress, a progressive book, and it's like progressive evolution, and or, or as um, some brethren, you know, they they speak of the of the uh, expanding universe as being God's creation. That is, God continues to create, but that's not what the Scripture says. He's rested from His work. God revealed His decrees to man through men moved by the Spirit. We know Jesus Christ lives because God says so. We know Jesus Christ lives because He lives within us. We know He lives and is coming again. Now, you say, preacher, how can you know He's coming again? Because God says He is.